He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I just want to testify in this word here. You know, I'm a single mother with two children. I struggle. I cry. I have to do things on my own. And I, you know, sometimes I think I have support, and one way or another, for some reason or another, the support doesn't come through. So my prayer this, these last few months was, Lord, find me a way that I can have my children in a, in a daycare, in a school that I can trust, that I know that they will be receiving what they need to receive to live out this life that you have set forth for them. And you know what? And, and all in his timing, all in his timing, a few days before school started, um, we had Wednesday night encounter night here, and Faith World joined us for our last uh, event for the family night, and they presented a school. They presented a private Christian school that was affordable for me, a single mother working a, a not-so-good job, to go and take my children to so that they can get the education that they needed, the true education. And not only that, they can also get the spiritual education that they needed in their life. And I just want to bless the Lord with that today. This word is, is what that means. In Jesus' name. So let's just get ready to worship. Let's just get ready to worship a God who just um, speaks to us, who speaks for us, who intercedes for us. Even when we doubt him, he knows what he has forth for us coming up forward. He has a plan for each and every single one of us. So I just want to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we just pray in your precious name, Jesus that you would just let the Holy Spirit be so full in this place, that it would just consume each and every single person here from the inside out, and that the word that is given, Lord Father God, will pierce through every single soul that sits in this room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's just give them some praise right now. Come on, will you lift your hands today? Come on. We worship you. Come on, tell them right now. Lift your voice. We worship you, Jesus. Have your way in this time. Come on, Holy Spirit. You are God. You are awesome. We love you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice. Love you, Lord. Let me sing this. I found love.
who sin this mercy falls mercy falls from your heart down
worship Him. Come on. We offer our praise. your name. You're the name of all names. We give you the highest praise. God, we love you. Jesus, it's all about you. But you don't cross. We'll sing it from our heart. We'll sing with everything that we've got. Come on, church, make your voice. Tell Jesus. Jesus, we praise you. It's in that name. It's in that name. to his people and he loves to use his people and that means you. So right now we leave this time open for words from the Holy Spirit. Time of the prophetic. Speak Holy
my plan is to stay close to me, guard your heart, and protect your judgment. church from within our hearts right now in this attitude of praise, would you just tell God how you're thankful for him and what he's done, how he's faithful to his church, how he's faithful to his people. Come on, we're not in the library. Would you just use your voice this morning? Would you praise him? Come on. We worship you, God. We're so thankful that before the foundations of the earth, you knew us. You had a plan for us, oh God. You had a plan for your people. And you sent your son, your one and only son, to die on the cross for us. And we're here today to give you praise, Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. It's in that name we give all the glory. It's in that name that demons flee. It's in that name that healing comes. Come on, would you just praise him? Come on. We praise you, Jesus. So worthy, worthy, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise, oh God. You're awesome, God. There's no one that can compare to who you are. We praise you, Jesus. We give you honor. We give you the praise. We say it's your day. This time it's all about you. Hallelujah. Just in an attitude of prayer, if you will, just make your way back to your seats. Holy Spirit is in this place and he's moving upon his people. We're excited. Amen. Right now what I would like to do is just give you a short gospel presentation. Amen. We don't take it for granted and say everybody here knows Jesus Christ. They know about this good message of Jesus. We don't say that maybe everybody. There may be someone here today that maybe have never heard the story of Jesus, never fully understand it. And within the next couple minutes, I can only give you a bit, but I pray that the Holy Spirit of God, he's in this place, would open up your heart and give you the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you go with me, if you brought your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 8? Amen. We're going to learn more about this Jesus, this awesome God. And in the book of John in chapter 8, it gives us an account where Jesus was faced with the situation, a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in sin. And like everyone in here, we've had sin in our lives because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when you read this story, the woman caught of adultery, maybe you're not dealing with adultery, but you can sub yourself into that place and say, I've dealt with sin in my life. And we're going to read this story. It's such a scandalous love. We'll catch up in John 8, verse 3, and it says this, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought him in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand up before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say, Jesus? 
Verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you be without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the women still standing there. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11 is a great verse, and it shows us right now this woman's response. And I pray that if you're here today caught in sin, there's something in your life where you know, man, I have an offense towards God. Maybe you've tried church. Maybe you've been through church, and it hasn't been added up. And you know it's because of your own sinful nature, not because of what Jesus is. We're not pointing the finger back at him because of your own actions. Man, that's me. That's me. If everybody to come to my life and look at the things that I've done wrong, the sin in my life, that's me. Verse 11 gives us her response. It says this. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Other version says her response was, no one, Lord. She responds in faith and calls him Lord. I'm asking you today. That if you're here in this place, maybe the first time you've, you've, you've heard the message of Jesus Christ and you heard how good he is. And this story kind of just gives it and unveils it all. Here's a woman who was caught in adultery. And the people brought her up, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. And they were right for doing so. You used to stone such a woman. For the law of Moses commanded it was right to do so. And they were waiting for Jesus' response. See, they had the right law. They were right to the letter of the law, but they had the wrong heart. And if you look at Jesus' heart in this place, and if you're saying, man, I'm a sinner, there is no hope for me today. Jesus is saying, hey, it's not over yet. Do you have breath in your lungs? Are you here today listening to the gospel message? It's not over yet. And Jesus is saying, go now. Leave your life of sin. He didn't say, it's all better. They left. Go do what you were doing. Act like this didn't happen. But at that moment, that lady knew it was over for her. She's been uncovered. She's been unveiled. She knew that her sin were to keep her down. And what the result was, was death. And Jesus came in and stepped in and said, leave your life of sin. He forgave her of her sin. I don't know about you. But that was me. See, here in this place, we believe that Jesus is alive and he's reconciling people to the Father. Amen. We're a church that believes that. If you could just stand to your feet for me, please. We want to encourage you. Maybe you heard this message and you're feeling something on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not just clever words or something that I've done to conjure up to make you feel goosebumps on the inside. That is the Holy Spirit of God. And he's alive and he's in this place and he's touching your heart and he's convicting you. That's a good thing. I mean, we're a church that believes in disciples. 
But we've church that believes that God can change people. And right here we have some life group leaders in the back, Berto and Griselda. And if you're in this place and you're saying, man, I, I want that. I need Jesus in my life. I want that. I want to give my life back to the Lord. This sin in my life. I want to be restored unto the Father, and Jesus came to do that. We want you to talk with them after service. We're going to have a time of fellowship. Go to them. Don't think after service. No, go to them and talk with them and see how God can move in your life. Amen. Man, let's just pray right now. I feel there's some people that that message was for. God, we thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ in which all these things are possible today. (laughs) We praise you, God, because you are reconciling people to you. Through your Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work. We thank you that chains are being broken off. We thank you that the lies is being replaced and being added to the truth. God, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you something. If you're believing that in your heart, we have a statement of faith. All right? I want you to say this. Some of you may say it for the first time, believing it. Like, man, some of you may be saying it again. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this right. So we're all just going to read this on a count of three. Amen? And we're going to give God praise. Amen? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. If you believe it, come on, shout amen in this place. Amen. Right now we're going to give you just a time of fellowship. Greet the person you were worshiping next to. Amen. Burden for something in the back for you. We love you. Thank you for coming.
welcome to Metro Praise. Take a few moments, greet each other. As you do, you can begin to make your way back to your seats in the house of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad that you are here this morning. Got some good news to share with you. Oh, man, would you look at your neighbor and just say, neighbor, I'm glad you're here. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. We want to share with you some changes to Metro Praise, and we want you to really pay attention and to hear our heart this morning, okay? We've been going through it all this week. We met with the leadership this morning as well as the 201 class, and I think when you hear us out this morning, I think you're going to be happy for these changes. If you're visiting with us today, you picked a great day to join with us because you get to start a new church with us today. And I'm going to explain what that means here. Would you put up the relaunch slide? For many of you who have been with us, you understand that Metro Praise, and its full name, Metro Praise Incorporated, is seven years old. And two years ago, we came here from our old location, 5405 West Diversity. And we took on a lot of expenses to be here. We began to realize about eight months into our lease, we took a five-year lease, that there was just no way we could remain at that level. And we need to reorganize. And so today, we're going to reorganize together. Don't get scared. Just hear me out. I'll give you time for some questions at the end. I want to give you the story in a nutshell. Here's the facts. We keep nothing from our congregation, by the way. In the summer of 2010, we signed a lease. And by the way, uh, uh, you guys can grab a seat, man. Even though I appreciate the amen. Let's give it up for the band this morning, rocking out. We'll keep Rachy Rach here. Playing the piano makes everything feel anointed. So we're going to keep her up there. I need her help this morning. Let's give it up for Rachy Rach Prego. And then you notice when they rotate out, you know, like Lauren, she's pregnant too. So we got two pregnant keyboardists. They have to sit down there. So in 2010, we signed a lease starting at 8000 a month that would increase to 11000 in five years, 10000 within the first year. So in 2010, when we signed this new lease, within that year, we were already up to 10000 That was almost triple what we were paying before. Within eight months, we were in debt, although we had increased over 30% as a church in attendance and giving and are still growing. Just look around you. Come on, just smile at somebody next to you. This is a growing church. It has been a growing church. Those of you who known us in times past, man, we have grown. We have done great things here. As a matter of fact, we have more disciples now than we've ever had. We have more finances. We're supporting more, doing more. All of this has been wonderful. Can I hear an amen? Amen. However, the doubling of our rent and high utilities were just too much to maintain. And how many of you were here about a year and four months ago? How many of you remember me coming to you going, Man, we're not paying the rent where they want us to be. And I began to show you what we were needing to pay. You guys were there, and we began to have month, first of the month financial meetings. Okay. Well, for the last year, we've tried to stay at 8000 needing three fundraisers. On top of our missions, that was four fundraisers. Do you know that before we came to this location, we would only do one building fundraiser once a year, and one mission fundraiser. If you were back in the old campus and remember that, can I hear an amen? You remember, I mean, we did not have to keep raising money. 
But even doing three fundraisers as of last month, even our last one, raising $11,000 still couldn't push us through. They took the money we were owing and spread it out, and they wanted us to eventually go to $12,000 a month for this property. They refused to go any lower. We came to them and said, will you take $5,000? Will you take $6,000? They cursed at me. They yelled at me. They said, you're a church. You guys are charlatans. They mistreated us. I said, I have gone to our people. They said, go back to your people. I said, I have gone to them three times this year. Who could have predicted the economy? Who could predict what we're going through? And then they began to tell me, we got this building at $2 million before the economy collapsed. And we owe 14000 a month plus taxes and so I began to understand why they were so upset and they said if you go under so are we and I said that's what it's going to cost them because I said there's no way we can pay it we can't therefore after talking to Jesus our covering brother Anthony Freeman who's been in my life since 96 you've met him the financial committee and you're going to hear from them today lawyers and the owners, we felt the best decision was to break the lease and close Metro Praise Incorporated to prevent further damage to the church. Everybody just go, oh. Let that set in for me. I don't want to gloss over this. Our organization that started seven years ago came under the weight of this recession and a bad lease. Now, before you judge me, I want to apologize and say I'm sorry. I thought coming from Diversity and Long, which is around Reese Park area, to Old Irving Park community, I thought more of the homeowners here would join with us. I thought that you as a congregation would increase because everyone was saying when Obama came in, things would change, didn't they? And after about two years, he was making predictions for shovel-ready jobs, and I believed it. And so I want to apologize that we took on more than we could handle. And now if anybody wants to judge us, I just want us to step back and say, are we going to judge the homeowners that are sinking in their mortgages that have had to foreclose people in this church have had to do it? Met me at this altar with tears in their eyes. We've never judged you. There's been businessmen that have met us at these altars saying, I was in the construction business. I've had to close. Tears in their eyes. I ask you to give us the same compassion we have given you. Nothing here has been misspent. As a matter of fact, my father, who's a professional financial planner, went over the numbers. Do you know if we would have stayed at the location how much excess we would have had these last two years? Over $140,000. Almost $50,000 just since January of 2012. That's how awesome you guys did. But do you know that my wife doesn't even have $5 in her bank account and that this year, this summer, I suffered more than I ever had before. I had to work three teaching jobs. Do you know who felt this the most? My family, because we didn't receive a salary. We didn't receive anything. Are you all tracking with me? But there is some good news. We don't die, we multiply. We said, baby, if Metro Praise Incorporated got to shut down, Metro Praise International is going to start up. So I want to welcome you to the first service of Metro Praise International. We are going to change the world. We are going to reorganize. We are going to reestablish. This week, we have filed for our 501c3, opened up a new bank account, redid our website, redid the logo. I want to thank Monica Montez. Would you stand up? Let's give it up for Monica for working. 
Literally starting right now, Metro Praise International is ready to move forward. We have signed a new lease with the former facility we were in. When we left that facility, City Lights went in, put in 40000 of renovation, matched the seating we now have here, redid the children's room, and I signed the lease yesterday. Starting October 1st, we're going to meet in our new old building. Relaunch, baby. Come on, somebody. Relaunch. It's time to relaunch. I'm not brushing over the fact of what we went through. I'm not brushing over it. If anybody has suffered, I have. And if anybody, it means something. For seven years, it's been my wife and I. But what do you do in an economy with a bill you can't pay? You have no choice but to restructure and reestablish. And some of the things that we put in place was a bigger board of our church. The board is my wife and I, Pastor Anthony Freeman, Pastor Ron Allen, who you saw as Grandpa Ron when he came here, and one of the financial committee members will be rotating in once a year, and Ricky Rivera will be the first one serving on the board of Metro Praise International. We then established a bigger base of Metro Praise Financial Committee, which Ricky heads up, and Chris Vitale is the secretary. Berto is on it. David Montez and my father operates as a financial advisor. And we are bringing to you the transparency today. The books are there. Every gift you've given to Metro Praise will be tax deductible at Metro Praise Incorporated. You will receive your receipts just as normal. But we want to go effective right now under the name Metro Praise International. We want to stop the bleeding and move forward. We want to set an example for others, for personal business owners, for homeowners, and for America that you can balance a budget and get things back in order. We're making cuts, and we're going to do it with joy in our hearts because we believe a church is people and not a facility. Can I hear an amen? The same purpose. Metro Praise International has the same covering. That means the leadership that I just talked about over me, Brother Anthony and Pastor Ron, collectively with almost 75 years of ministry experience, the leadership remains the same, the pastoral staff that you know, the vision, the strategy, the goals of former Metro Praise Incorporated. We ask you now to support us, and I want to say to you, thank you. It wasn't your fault. You gave your best. Those three fundraisers, the pastoral staff will tell you I was amazed. We, we would say there's no way we can ask anything more of them. But what we got to, we got to. We got, and some of you know we talked about this. You were in the meetings. I, I mean, I've always told you this. And I said, I don't think we can ask anymore. We would ask for more. That's why at this point we just said we're done. After last fundraiser, we raised over $11,000, and it goes away, and no one has money. We can't pay our bills. Come on, somebody. We're not going to do that to you. We said, let's invest better with what we have. And so we just want to ask you to keep giving and supporting, just like you have no fundraiser. Everybody just go, shh. It's over. I don't want to ask you for any more money the rest of this year. You have that as my commitment. Let's just take tithes and offerings, support our missions, and we'll look at it in the new year come January. But now until then, let's just love Jesus. Amen? Can we just get back to loving Jesus? I don't want to take 20 minutes every time I come here to explain where we're at. Where the, you, know, you can see my dad's going to show you the numbers. It's obvious where it was going. It's obvious. Okay, I could see if we were misappropriating funds. Pastors were taking too much. We were lying. It was actually the opposite. Your pastors were suffering the most. And I don't want to give you sob stories, but I haven't been able to pay an administrator, haven't been able to pay myself, haven't been able to pay campus pastors. 
We believe, as I show you the budget, that we're going to be able to save. We can start that stuff immediately. But I'm just going to show you how to support us moving forward. Would you go to the online page? As, as well as giving into these offerings, Metro Praise International, if you write out to a check, just simply put the full name. That way, people in the bank, everybody knows this is a separate entity. But many of you love to give online. I just want to show you some creative ways to do that. There's the personal online banking way. This is totally free for you and for us. You can put us as a payee and send it to the address. If you're a Chase, a customer, you can do uh, what's called quick pay and do it individually. All of this is individual. This doesn't have to be recurring or anything. You just set us up as a quick pay. And then the PayPal online giving charges us 7% of what you give. So we would ask that if you have an online bank account and you're kind of savvy, try to choose another way other than PayPal. But if PayPal is the easiest way, we have it all set up there as well but we wanted to give our online givers two other options directly from your bank or if you're a chase customer directly in quick pay just so you can continue to support us and it all goes to metro praise international it's, it's up on the website right now metropraise.org will link you to our new website at metmpichurch.org and uh would you put up the uh, projected budget for me please andrew as he puts up this projected budget i'm going to ask my dad that he would come Dad, would you come up for me, please? Let's give it up for Jim Myrostic, my father. This is what we project as a low number. We've brought in an average of $16,000 a month, and it goes you know, right to the building. If we begin to look at a low average, which is low, $12,000, we can begin to pay salary, rent be $2,500. Let me ask you a question. If I've been paying $8,000 and going in debt, and we start paying $6,000, Let's say we're paying $2,500 and we have the extra, uh, uh, $2,500 minus $6,000 is what? $3,500? If we start saving $3,500 a month going this stage forward, what do you think we can do with that? What do you think we could do? Do you think we could support more missions? Do you think we could do more creative things in the community? Do you know that all of those programs we do are for free, like the back-to-school party and all that? And you know what the, the little we give to our people to do? What if we gave them double the budget to be able to do that? Dad, would you explain why we came into this situation and why we have a new budget? Praise the Lord, everybody. I just want to explain to you one thing and make it very clear. Today I'm coming to you not as uh, Joe's dad, or as Nancy's dad, I'm coming to you today as a contributor and a supporter of Metro Praise International. Have been since it began. And I'm not interested as a supporter or a donor, I'm not interested in buildings. What I'm interested in is the vision. I'm interested in what Metro Praise has stood for and is standing for within the community and within the world. And the building and, and facilities, it's all nice. But that's not what God's interested in. God is interested in souls. God's interested in change lives. We're called to change lives. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to help people be delivered, healed, set free. And that's what Metro Praise has stood for. And as I and I went through the books with Joe, and I, I had meet, a meeting with the leadership team, so I went through these numbers. I'm not going to take a long time. I just want to give you a summation. But what I was concerned, I'm a certified financial planner. What I was concerned about, I just want to look at one number in everything because I know the books are clean. The books, you can look at the books. Every penny is recorded in here. 
They do an outstanding job of keeping books. But I wanted to see one number. So I looked at the facilities. And I looked at last year, 2011 to 2012. Can everybody kind of see the green in this graph? Can you kind of see the green, how much it takes of the graph? If you can see it, it's the same thing for the, whoops, for the previous year. You see that green in the graph, in that circle? That green represents <clears throat> over half of the budget. That green represents over 50% of the monies that were coming in were going to rent. That's a lot of money, going to rent. And I looked through the numbers and I said, last year, if, the, if you would have paid what we're going to, uh, Metro Phrase International has negotiated lease at Diversity, $2,500 a month versus the $8,000, $9,000 that was being paid, last year there would have been $70,000 more in the budget. What does that mean as far as the church, as far as growth, as far as staff, as far as doing the stuff that God wants done, instead of putting it into a building? That really, a lot of the space isn't even used throughout the week. Even right now, year to date, the numbers show had you been paying $2,500 versus the $8,000 you would have in your budget, in your bank account, about $49,000. That's a lot of money. A lot of money that, that the enemy, now see what you have to understand is this. The enemy is a sneaker. Everything that was done here at Metro Prison, there's been so many good things done. I mean, there's no question about all the stuff that was done, pouring in and everything else. But what the enemy tried to do was sidetrack you from what your real mission is, what your, what your objective is. And he kind of put a little hole on it. So he was going to try to drain you and strain you, kill you as, an, as a church, as a body of believers. He was trying to do that. See, what he was hoping, what the enemy was hoping he could do, was stop Metro Praise. That's what he, because churches all around us, you pass 100 churches by the time you get to Metro Praise, right? But churches all around here are not doing what Metro Praise is. So, so the enemy really isn't that aggravated or whatever it is, but what, what, what he really is, is he's upset at Metro Praise. Because what Metro Praise is doing, they're going out and preaching the gospel. They're making disciples. They're healing the sick. They're setting captives free. They're being the church. They're being the church. Well, the enemy want to stop that, see? Try to put a halt to it. But God. Listen, somebody say, but God had different plans. But God had different plans. See, because even before the foundation of the world was, God knew what was going to take place today, Joe. He knew it before the foundation of the world. See, he wanted to see what Metro Praise and the leadership was going to do. Were they going to stand true to the mission? Were they going to stand true to the vision? Oh, but God said, just like he did to Job, no, they'll stay true to the mission. In a matter of a week, less than a week, the hours that was put forth for leadership and everything else, the transition from Metro Praise, Inc., the Metro Praise International took place. Mission, the vision doesn't stop. God doesn't stop. Amen? Amen, that's it. Thank you. Thank you.
today. My father will be available. The numbers are there. Anybody has questions can look at them. And uh, Ricky from the financial committee I'll bring up in just a moment. My dad took the lowest number, 12000 Anything above 12000 will be extra. We've been bringing in around 16000 We are now showing that if we just do what we did last month, starting in October, we'll have 4000 extra. And then in November, 4000 extra. And then in December, 4000 extra. And we will use it to change the world. Come on, somebody. Amen. And I want to ask you to believe that with us. And if you're looking for an exit, today's your last day. God bless you and thank you. But if you're looking to change the world, we're going to live by this. Join with us and let's not make the same mistakes we did before. We now sat down with the financial committee and we said we'll never sign a lease. That is 100 times in growth. What we're We'll never project that far ahead. We'll never go into a community that we haven't saturated first with evangelism. We'll never put that burden back on the people. We have put things in place. We also put something in place. I'll never use my personal credit card again. Because some of the debt, 8000 I've been reminding you of, came from my personal credit card. We have said if God doesn't provide it, we won't pay it on credit. We have learned those lessons. And we believe moving forward with that $4,000, you're going to start seeing some happy pastors, some happy children's pastors, and you're going to start seeing things in the community that we've talked about and been able to do. We'll be able to fix some jalopy vans that we've been using. We'll be able to use them. We'll be able to feed the west side in more and creative ways. We'll be able to, before you know it, begin to rent other storefronts and fulfill the vision of planting 50 churches. You can't plant 50 more churches when you're in debt in one. Are you listening? So here's for the changes in the future starting October 1st. So they have given us 30 days here. So for the all of September, everything is exactly the same. Now simply moving forward after October 1st, our new campus will be the Reese Park campus. That's the diversity location. So people will be able to know where is that campus on diversity. It's the Reese Park campus. We're in the Reese Park community. The exact address, 5405 West Diversity on the corner of Long there. As a matter of fact, uh, would you put up the pictures of the facility? What City Lights did there is absolutely amazing. As a matter of fact, when I left that building to come here and I saw their change, this is pause here, I actually had to repent of being covetous for what they had did there in that facility. Here's the entranceway. It's beautiful. Then you go into the sanctuary area. If you go to the next slide, it's a little blurry, but they have 130 chairs just like we do here. The staging is even better, the lighting even better than what we have here. It is a tremendous facility. The children, it's beautiful. You, now you know why I felt covetous when I left from there to here, and I started paying $8,000 for this, and they were paying $2,500 for that. Let's give it up for City Lights, amen. We just want to thank them. Pastor Eddie from City Lights could have charged us what that is worth now. He could have said, I came into a $2,500 a month building with the landlord, but I made it a $6,000 building, and he really did. But since we're friends, we've been together this whole entire time, and we bless them and their success as well. He just said, take it from the landlord. Go ahead. And they're leaving all the renovations there. All of the, It's going to look pristine when we walk in there. And I know that you trust us because from everything we've done, we've done in excellence. 
Amen. And so effective, that will be the Reese Park campus first Sunday. There will be October 7th at 10 a.m. And so from this point on, we're simply just going to be saying we're relaunching. We're not going to go into all the details. I'll be putting up a Facebook blog with everything you're hearing today. People are here to discuss it. As far as you want to discuss it is up to you. We won't let the devil shame us, and we're not going to speak bad of the landlords. We're just moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Sundays, everything will be the same. 201 prayer. Nothing will change come October. It just will be in that location. So you're used to coming at 10. Come at 10. They have parking in the back. It's a great location. I think you'll enjoy the campus there. The ministries, everything just shifts to the first time of October. Uh, the first uh, Monday in October, SUM will meet there. That's October 1st. Encounter night, the first Wednesday will be October 3rd at 7 p.m. And then uh, Elevate Youth Group, they're just going to change their time now to 7 o'clock instead of 7 30 the first friday there will be october 5th so everything just stays the same we're just moving over there in october uh andrew in our in the back and jared will be uh making the move you know renting the u-haul some of the extra doodles we have here we'll put in storage and so we just ask you guys to really from your heart support us if you're going to stick around if you don't if you don't believe in us then like i said then, then this would be a good time to say goodbye but if you really love us and support us we could just use your encouragement right now you know we could just use that encouragement amen we've worked hard to do it and then i you know i kind of feel like a politician but i'm telling you these these promises are true right now because i'm excited we're going to do this Here's what we get to believe now. We can start paying staff with that extra money. We can start church planning. Do you know that there are storefronts empty all over this city? And if we can take two or $3,000 storefronts and make them look good like our diversity location does, because Eddie has taught us how he did that with the design, do you know that we can fulfill our plan so much quicker now? And then how about for missions? We want to actually start flying them down here from Bangladesh. Flying That's one that's coming on board, Lord willing. Flying them from the Philippines and spend time with them. Why? Because we have the extra monies. This is not a this is not a political promise. I know we had the uh, the different conventions these last couple of weeks. I hope you hear this as faith today in Jesus' name. And I just want to reiterate this one more time. You don't have to do anything different. You don't have to give anything more. All you have to do is just do what you've been doing. Can I hear an amen? It's time to relaunch, baby. Metro Praise International. It's time. It's time. This is it. Ricky Rivera, would you come forward, please? Ricky's been with us. Matter of fact, he's known me from previous church where I used to work at. And uh, Ricky has been a part of all of those meetings, all of those discussions. And I want him just to speak as a person of the congregation what his heart has been like throughout uh, this time. Uh, amen. I'm just going to share basically what I shared earlier. Uh you've been paying attention at all for the past six months to a year even three months it's not a surprise that we were in a tight spot amen so uh looking at this initially uh it's easy to be discouraged or uh you know maybe disappointed but when you look at the whole thing uh as, as uh, in entirety you look at the numbers you look at what we're able to do now it's actually very encouraging there's nothing negative about this how many of you guys love what we've been doing here in Metro Praise? All the ministries that we have, the outreaches, you know, life groups, uh, just everything that we've been doing, the children's ministry, everything, Encounter Night. You guys love that, right? It's awesome. Well, if you guys love that, you're going to love this next season because we're going to be able to do more now. Think about that. We have more, our pastoral staff now. We have 
more ministries, we have more disciples, we have more leaders, amen, we have two campuses now, and by the way, what we're paying for two campuses now is half of what we were paying here, think about that, so with that extra money, I mean, we're just, not only that, but just the burden that was on Pastor Joe and Nancy, I mean, just that, just that relief, that peace of mind, it's just, it goes a long way, and we're going to be able to do more now, amen, so if you love what we've been doing now, you're just, you're going to love even more, because we're going to, uh, this next season because we're going to be able to do more. And it's just the fact that uh, we're able to, uh, you know, pay our staff, amen? Uh, just think about you working full-time for the past seven years and not getting paid a dime. That's what Pastor Joe and Nancy's been doing. And so now that we're able to at least somewhat help them out uh, with the finances, pay our staff, we have administrators, we have a staff now, people, and we should be able to pay them. Not only is it the right thing, it's the biblical thing, and God would honor that, Amen. And so that goes a long way. And so, uh, I mean, if you've been excited to this, I'm telling you, there's nothing negative. When you look back at this, you're, you're, you're thinking, when you, you think straight, if it's not clear to you, I pray that God would make it clear to you. You're going to hope, you're, you're going to, you're going to be wishing, you were, you would hope that we would have done this a year ago because this is just the right move. This is a blessing for us. And it's going to just take us to a whole new level. Amen. Amen. So uh, stick with us. Amen. Thank you. Let's give it up for Ricky. Thank you. Some of the things, uh, we'll have a time of questions here in just a moment, and we're, we can take it in this church, any question you have. We're okay. Uh, one of the things we learned as a life lesson moving forward is, you know, we want to plant 50 churches. Well, what do those churches look like? Are we going to build Walmart-sized churches or radio shacks? You know, when you look at the Starbucks down the road here, when they start getting a lot of customers, they don't say, well, now let's build a Starbucks the size of a Walmart. What they say is, let's start another Starbucks further down the road. And what we were able to really determine during this time is how do we want to start multiple campuses? We want to start them in those size range where they can hold about 100 adults, have about 30 children, and function debt-free. And I believe that as we keep growing and we start planting those, those will be successful churches. They will be community-style churches. So this will be as big as a metro praise for this season will ever be. And our goal is to put these in communities, 50, throughout the entire Chicagoland area. We learned that. Another thing we learned is to, to feel the checks in our spirit when we're dealing with landlords. Uh, Lassero, who, who rents us the, the, the place at Diversity, has always been kind. He was kind to Eddie. He was always kind to us. But my wife will tell you, when I signed this lease, there was something in my heart that I even spoke it out to Nancy. I said, if anything ever goes wrong here, I can tell you these landlords will try to sue us for everything we have. See, I had a check that the landlords were vicious and cruel. I just knew it. Not that it's not wrong to expect pay on time and things like that, but I just knew that there was no compassion, empathy. They were only out for their own self. See, so we want to work with landlords and property owners like Lasro that enjoy having a church there. And my dad brought it up that because Lasro has been good to the church, Lasro has had his building rented for six years straight without any lack of payment. We were there four years. Uh, uh, City Lights took it for two years. And every time a church comes in there, it gets better. By the time uh, Jesus comes back, that man will probably have never gone without a rental payment because we're not giving up that diversity campus from this point forward. Our goal will be to simply build another Albany Park, Portage Park, and looking for storefronts around four to 6,000 square feet. 
looking for storefronts that we can fit the 100 chairs, 30 children, and make them comfortable, designed, appropriately, contemporary, and allowing the community around us to know it's the same vision, loving God, loving people, connecting you to the cross with life groups, mentoring you with our one-on-one and our 201, and sending you out to change the world so that wherever you are across the city, you can do that. I see that now clearer than I ever have before. And so I just want to now open this up for any uh, questions that you may have. And um, Berto, would you please just get a wireless microphone back there? I know uh, some of you may be shy, but uh, we're ready for any questions you may have uh, today, any clarifications. We don't want you to feel like this was uh, brushed over or not dealt with properly. And we're not hiding anything either. My father will be at the end with those numbers, right, Dad? You can answer any questions. Ricky from the Financial Committee will be here. Berto is from the Metro uh, Irving Park Committee. And uh, Chris is from the Wicker Park Committee. And let me just say this. Wicker Park is doing great for the first time uh, two months in a row. So I shouldn't say for the second time. They have covered all of their expenses. So let's give it up for Wicker Park. Amen. So we have a Wicker Park campus that's meeting. It's only been there less than a year, and it's already debt-free. Hello. I mean, can we do that more? That's what I'm saying. And, and, and here's just a quick clarification. If we wouldn't have shut down Metro Praise Inc., even if they said, well, we're not going to sue you, go about your way, we know the next 10 years of Metro Praise is going to be up, up, and away. Well, they would then have the right to come to Metro Praise Inc. anytime within 10 years and pull back the money owed, which is about 250000 Now, do I believe in not paying rent and being dishonest? No. But when we can't afford it now, we need to shut down and move on, not be liable for that 10 years from now. And that's why this country protects business owners from that, from either being able to close down their business or filing for bankruptcy. And if Donald Trump can do it, we can do it. And if any pastor wants to look down on us, I want that pastor to judge his congregation the way he would judge me. Well, Metro prays they had to shut down. God's not with them. Sir, say that to your congregation this Sunday. If you've closed a business and you've had to go through a mortgage loss, you're not doing what God told you to do. Don't let anybody judge you, my friends. Don't let anybody tell you negative about this church. We chose to keep our standard high. We could have watered it down and made a church full of baby goo gaga believers, but we chose to raise up Marines. And if old Irving Park doesn't, didn't want it as a whole, then let us shake off our dust and go somewhere where they do want it and make disciples. Amen? And we still want old Irving Park to get it. But listen, sir, I'm not going to tell you anything different than what the gospel said. If you're going to a church and you call a man father and confess your sins and think you're going to heaven, that's a lie. And I will tell you that. And if other people get upset about that, that's fine. And let me just share another thing for those of you here who love spirit-filled doctrines and beliefs. The Assemblies of God, who I love dearly, and we still have their doctrines because I went to the Bible college and we believe it. The Assemblies of God is, I was talking to one of the people that know it very well here in Illinois. They are facing a crisis Only 20% of their believers now are baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. They're taking directions as a spirit-filled movement more from Rick Warrens and Willow Creeks than they are from David Wilkerson's and men and women of God who have gone before them. Are you listening to me? And so when you come to this church, we are unashamedly spirit-filled. You will see the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and we are unashamedly about discipleship, wanting you to get discipled. And I've had people with tears in their eyes, literally tears in their eyes, 
Because 80% of church growth comes from other churches. So when people come by this road stop, just like they go to other churches, I've had them say with tears in their eyes, Pastor, we love you. We love your preaching. We love the spirit of this church. We love every outreach and all the evangelism you're doing. But you can't expect me to go evangelizing. You can't expect me to be a disciple. You can't expect, I just want to be a leader and help out. I said, I'm sorry, all leaders go through the same train. Well, can you make an exception? I've had them with tears coming down their eyes because when you go to the Olympics, I'm going to preach now. When you go to the Olympics and they got the high bar set up here and they're going to try to vault over it and somebody don't do it, they don't then say, well, let's lower it down to four feet. When somebody can't run the mile fast enough, they don't say, let's make a smaller track. And we're not saying you have to come perfect to Metro Praise. But if you're coming from another church and you're saying, well, I'm not into all that tongue stuff and I'm not into all that discipleship stuff. I just want to sit here and be a part of the crowd. Metro Praise is not that church for you. And we have proven it by what we've gone through. We will deny ourselves, die, and resurrect to do this thing. And I'll do it ten more times before I ever change this gospel message. And if we can line up our budget to this vision, we're unstoppable. Half of you clapping. That's all right. I'm excited. I got a little preachy. I'm sorry. You don't have to clap. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just I got preachy. I tried to buy time as well for questions. Quickly, any questions? Any questions? Don't be ashamed. Or I mean, don't be shy. We won't be ashamed. You're all nervous. Talk to all the elders, life group leaders this week. Hang out with them. Let them reaffirm their love for you. And what I would just say is drive by that campus. Get used to it before you come out over here. Park in the parking lot. Lay your hands on the building. Let City Lights think you're a weirdy. Maybe they'll call the police on you. You know, start rubbing oil on it and just ask the Lord to do it. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, let's clarify that. Let me go back over these slides. We are Metro Praise International right now. So that means all finances and funds need to go to Metro Praise International. Effective now, Metro Praise International has started. So this is Metro Praise. You came to Metro Praise International today. I hope you come back next week. We established it with the IRS. We are tax exempt. We are 501c3. Everything is in order, and I can give you the proof of that upon asking. We have it. Bam, it's done. Took a lot of work to do that, but we wanted to do it in order. As a matter of fact, when you, when you get past the speed bump of everything, it's quite amazing what God accomplished in this week. Signed a new lease, started a new church, opened a new bank account, and redesigned a website. It's like if that's what we do on a bad day, look out when we have a good day. I mean, my goodness, we'll be planning 40 churches within the next two years. We'll have to increase our goal. I was just impressed with everybody's heart because I think it was the transparency. If I would say, how could we do it? I would say the transparency over the last year just enabled us, enabled us to, uh, to, to mobilize quickly because everybody was hearing it all. You know, you guys heard it. The leadership heard it, so we were able to mobilize. Okay, so today, Metro Praise International has started. If you want to support this church, make checks out to Metro Praise International. If you want to give online, go to, to the online giving. Effective in October 1st is when we'll start meeting at the Reese Park campus. So Reese Park campus, Metro Praise, will not start until October. So what we would call this in the church world is we would call this a pre-launch. 
we are in one location getting ready to go to the next location. So what we would want to do is work out all the kinks, any bad attitude, sister sassy, get rid of all that. We don't want to take you over there with us. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, so, so when we show up over there, it's going to be a launch. Like we're handing out flyers. Here we are, Metro Praise International. And if they say, yeah, didn't you used to be Metro Praise? We, our answer without any deception or trying to gloss over it is yes, but we had to become Metro Praise International to reach you better. That's it. We had to change to be more effective to reach you. That's why we're Metro Praise International now. And we're going to just blow it up. And, uh, you know, there's only about 100,000 people there. You think there's anybody to reach? You think there's anybody to reach into old, uh, you know, that diversity, Reese Park location? About 100,000? You think we'll be busy? We'll be busy reaching some new people. Does that answer the question? Reese Park launches October. Metro Praise International launches today. Okay? Anybody else? Quickly, let's go over here. I'm going to take two more questions, so let's do it quickly. But uh, think through if you have a good question, and then we'll go to Rudy. Go ahead. So what does the Irving Park campus do for the rest of the Sunday? Is this Irving Park here the next 30 days is exactly the same. Next 30 days, nothing is different. Well, Got the youth um, asking questions. When can we uh, actually help out? All of that will just be announced on Facebook. We'll just put it up on my, my Facebook is General, the Metro Praise Facebook. Also, Metro Praise, look on it uh, today. MPI International have its own uh, Facebook as well. So, But just look on Facebook. Uh, Rudy had a question. As far as the old Metro Praise logo, you don't see the red thing. Yeah. No, everything is done. That's gone. This is the, uh, that icon at the bottom is our new icon, and that's our new logo. Yeah, it's, just, it's all done. Paperwork, all that's gone. The good thing about paperwork is Monica has been able to, branding, oh, my goodness, she's done so good for us. We can get 5,000 uh, new flyers for 10, 15, 20 bucks. It's amazing the deals that we get. So, yes, there is a loss in some of the branding, but once again, this is the way I look at it. If you're coming out of a sinking mortgage as a, as a homeowner and you go into a three-bedroom condo now, your kids go, well, you know, we we don't have the trampoline in the backyard. My room's not as big. Yeah, there may be some sacrifices we make, but now we could say, Mama, get a new pair of shoes. We can buy you school clothes. We can give you an allowance so you could go to Six Flags. There's good things that come out of saving money, y'all. Amen? And so if the, if, if the worst thing I walk away out of this losing is some of the hard work that the people have put in here, you know, some boards and wood and some paper, if that's all we walk out of here losing, because God forbid anyone would get discouraged over this, we can live with that, baby. Amen. We got people literally overseas having their property set on fire. Muslims are burning Nigerian churches. If the worst we go through is we have to tear up some envelopes, some flyers, and, you know, rebrand, we'll be all right. Amen. Let's, uh, let's get that welcome video back up. Let me give you some time to stretch your feet, and then we'll start again as if uh, we're just Metro Praise International. Amen? So we're not going to make you feel any awkwardness. Let's just stretch our feet and put on that welcome video. Shake somebody else's hand or just talk to somebody. Uh, use the bathroom if you have to. We'll start at 11.25. 11.25. We'll be right back here.
welcome, welcome. You may grab a seat. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Got some good things going on. Um, let's just stand up and receive tithes and offerings. Can we do that? Amen. Let's just pray. Um, all gifts made out to Metro Praise International. I was just talking to somebody. It wasn't a question, but it was kind of a concern, and I'll just voice it here. Anything that is now given to Metro Praise International cannot be touched by anything that the landlord will bring against Metro Praise Incorporated. These are two separate entities, and that's why uh, the pastors over this ministry, like Brother Anthony and Pastor Ron said, you need to start that new bank account and new ministry now so that moving forward, the landlords cannot come and accuse you of anything. So anything you give now is safe to what we are doing moving forward. Can I hear an amen? Just want to share that with you so you don't have to be concerned that, wow, if I give here, can the, can the uh, landlords come back and take it? No, that's why we started the new church, Metro Praise International. We're going to receive tithes and offerings. We're just simply asking you to continue to do what God has commanded us all to do, to give 10% of our total income to the Lord as a tithe. And then an offering is whatever we offer above that tithe. When you circle building fund or missions, if these are pledges that have been good for you, you can still do that, and those extra monies will certainly go towards those purposes, building fund towards the moving expenses and different things like that. And I just really want to ask you to please give to missions. Let's not stop giving towards the missions at this time. Let us not let the missionaries feel any of the suffering that we had to go through here. Can I hear an amen? Just from mission givers, can I just hear another amen? Amen. We want to make sure that we continue to support them during this time and not let them uh, lose out in any way. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for everything that you are doing here in Metro Praise International and in the lives of the people here. I pray that you bless them, Father God, as you're blessing us. Lord, for those that may be still going through tough times as they're searching for jobs, I pray that you'll bring them employment. Lord, help them to reduce their debt as well. And, Lord, during this time of political change, as the conventions have been happening, Republican and Democrat, Lord, we pray that your right person will get into the office, the one that will lead, God, with the best uh, values, God, for morality and for economy, Father God. And we pray that uh, you'll do this all as well in Chicago because Chicago's economy needs you, Lord, as well. And we ask this for our family and for our family's family, those in our community. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's say what Paul said on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come forward as you give today? Thank you so much. We need you more than ever at this time. God bless you. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We are in the series right now, Christ in you. Where is Christ? In you or in me. Somebody say Christ in me. 
Amen. We're going through the whole entire book of Colossians, chapter by chapter this month. And we're going to be sharing something with you next week. We're going to be starting a new series in our life groups called The Truth Project. So if you go to truthproject.org, I'm going to play it all for you next week, get you all excited. But this is by Focus on the Family, a 12-week life group study lesson that takes you through a Christian worldview. It is going to be so exciting. We're going to be starting that in October, November, and December in our life groups. And the reason why I'm sharing that with you is because what we're learning in Colossians by going verse by verse by verse is forming in us a Christian worldview to think about things the way the Bible thinks about things. So keep going the life groups as we go through the Colossians this month and the next three months we're going to go through every major issue, politics, uh, marriage and family, all of that through the Bible in our life groups to get that foundation. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So Christ is in you, chapter 2, verses 1 and onward. And as always through this series, I'm putting my notes in their entirety on Facebook. So it's okay to use your phone or iPad here in the church. As long as it's for Jesus, you have the entire notes for chapter 2 already there. So you can follow along because there are a lot of notes for this section. For those of you who have never been to Bible college, which I would assume would be the majority of you, this is like a Bible college class. I have taught uh, books of the Bible in Bible college, and these, this is the outlines of how we do it. So I hope that you are encouraged by the Word of God today. I'll review it with you, and he'll be sliding my notes down as well. I'll review it first, and then we'll go through it and read it verse by verse. Paul continues in chapter 2 with this thought from chapter 1 that he is struggling and laboring to present everyone in his care perfect in Christ. We see that Paul wants to be a good apostle, a good leader, so that people can be perfected in their salvation. And remember what we mean by perfect. You're perfect in your salvation, in the inner person, though you may not always live perfect. We can say, I don't always live perfect, but Christ has saved me perfectly. That's what it means to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. John Wesley called this the perfect heart that says, God, we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, so he is saying, and if you just look in the prior verse, um, uh, chapter 1, 28 through 27, Paul says, to this uh, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ to this and I, uh, I labor, struggling with his energy, which so powerfully works within me. He carries that thought into chapter 2. And also remember this, books of the Bible, chapters and verses, are not in the original. So when Paul originally wrote this, he didn't pause and put another chapter 2 and keep writing, put verses next to it. This is one entire letter. That's why I recommend during this series to go to uh, BibleGateway.com and listen to the audio version of this in its entirety. You can hear the audio Bible for free online, uh, the book of Colossians, the entire book, four chapters, about 10, 15 minutes. I think exactly it's about 12 minutes. So take some time this week, push play on your iPad, find a way to listen to it, and hear it from start to finish, and you'll get his whole thought. Number two of the introduction, chapter two will now address some of the doctrinal issues of the Colossi church and what they are facing, legalism and lawlessness. As we learned last week, the Colossi church is in pagan Rome, they are mostly pagan believers, though there are some Greek 
um, excuse me, there are some Jewish believers that have transferred to live there, but most of them are just typical Roman pagans. They're on a river Lycus, about 100 miles from the Aegean Sea, and the port city is Ephesus at the Aegean Sea. So when, uh, at the Aegean Sea. So when Paul was in Ephesus for three years, uh, Epaphras traveled down that river and met with him, heard the gospel, and brought it back to the people of Colossae. Paul has never been to Colossae, but simply people heard him preaching and took the message there. And in this church, they're dealing with two things. The Roman pagans are just saying, let's just believe in Jesus and do whatever we want to do morally. As long as we get to go to heaven, let's make Jesus another one of our gods, you know, with Zeus and all the rest, and we'll just live however we want. So he's dealing with those problems. And then there's the problems of the Jewish people who are now saying, now that you've accepted Jesus, you now must accept all of the Mosaic laws. And they're telling grown men to get circumcised. Everybody go, ouch. They're telling grown men to get circumcised. And they're telling people who love lechon and pork and bacon, you can't eat pork anymore, or, or cages, you can't eat crawfish so they're trying to enforce the jewish dietary law so they're dealing on one side legalism and the other one lawlessness somebody say amen amen that's the truth there we go now here are the three summaries of the sections we're going to go through three sections colossians 2 1 through 5 this is the summary of that section when you correctly believe in Christ and are united in your love with all true disciples, you cannot be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. So that first section, Paul is going to say, love Jesus and don't fall for the lies that you're being told. Section number 2, Colossians 2, 6 through 15. Your flesh, also known as your sinful nature, has been cut away. You are new in Christ. You're going to find out you're not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There's not an evil you and a good you. There is a new you living inside of an earthly body, so live the new you. Amen? And then section 3 which is not found divided in the uh, NIV, but in the ESV they divide the last part of chapter 2 into two sections. So chapter, uh, the section 3 is Colossians 2, 16 through 23, and that is no one can disqualify you, so live, in, live free in the Spirit. No one can tell you how to live for Jesus outside of what the Bible already tells you. So if I, as a preacher, am telling you what the Bible says, amen. If I start adding on to the Bible, don't you listen to me. You live free in Jesus. Let me give you an example. Is there a place in the Bible where it says women can't wear pants? No, it doesn't. So if a preacher starts saying, women, don't you wear pants, you're a harlot, you're not going to go to heaven, as we heard when we were out in Humble Park. We met some of those crazy street preacher guys that were calling our women harlots because they were wearing pants. Well, if the Bible doesn't say that, nobody has the right to tell you that, so live free in Jesus' name. And we're going to talk about some man-made rules that come into religion. Okay, so the summaries. We learn in Colossians 2, chapter 2, 1 through 5, that you are to love Christ and not be deceived by any fine-sounding arguments. Uh, section 2, Colossians 6 through 15, your sinful nature has been cut away, live new in Christ. And number 3, the, sec uh, the third, uh, the third uh, section, no one can disqualify you, live free in the Spirit. Now lastly here at the bottom, Andrew, if you could scroll all the way down, here's going to be the summary of what I hope you take out of this today. That number one, you're going to love Jesus with everything you have on the inside of you. This chapter will encourage you to do that. Number two, believe your sinful nature has been cut away and you are new in Christ. Live the new you today. Amen? Born again really means you were born again, friends. How many was born again? Now, do you, were you born again holy, sanctified, right with God, or were you born again a sinner? 
Listen, friend, you were already born a sinner. You were born again a what? A saint. If you're still a sinner after being born again, then Jesus can't save anybody. See, I believe Jesus is a good Savior. So when I was born a sinner and I came to him born again a saint, that is who I am. Amen? Amen. See, preaching like this will get you happy. I hope you get happy this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to be happy in church. Amen. Let's go verse by verse. Chapter 2, verse 1. Reading the section 1 through 5. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who personally have not met. I have not met. My purpose is that we may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, and whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit, and I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm you are in Christ. Number one, Paul says, I want you to know I'm struggling for you and those at Laodicea. What we learn here is that Paul is working hard as an apostle. His concerns that he's struggling over are genuine concerns because we read in Revelation 3.16 that Laodicea did backslide. They fell for fine sounding arguments and he's going to define what those are. Those three category of arguments are going to be pagan lies, Jewish lies, and Christian lies. They're going to come in three categories, and you can just follow along at this point, brother. Just simply follow along. I'm at point one, Colossians 2, 1 through 5. You can see as you go through the rest of this book that there are deceptions to the church, and Paul says, I am struggling with this for you that you don't get deceived, and neither does Laodicea. Sad part is Laodicea did get deceived. Side note that you see here is that he hadn't been to Laodicea or Colossae. That kind of encourages us because we haven't been to some of the nations we support, but if they hear the teachings, they can come in agreement with the gospel as well. Can I hear an amen? Uh, scroll all the way up, brother. Let me just help you right now. Okay, I know we got a lot of notes up there. Okay, right there. Go back up to A. That's where I'm at right now. Verse 1, scroll down. No, uh, to the right to the notes, please. Now scroll up. Uh, I mean, scroll down. Let's go down. Okay, you see where it says verse 1? That's where I'm at right now. Okay, and then we'll just go from there. Take away. What's the takeaway? Heed the warning of your leaders and honor their work among you. We are struggling here in Metro Praise for you so that you may know Christ and not fall for fine-sounding arguments. Can I tell you right now, your, your faith is being attacked more now than it ever has before? You ever heard of Bill Maher? putting out movies like Irreligious, mocking your Christianity? Have you ever seen comedians, like, you know, uh, people making fun of Christianity and making fun of who you are as a Christian? Have you ever met a scientist or somebody in your school that said God can't be right, that Bible can't be right? Have you ever been to a college or been in a class in college and you've had your faith mocked and tore down? We are struggling with you so that we can keep you from being deceived, and that's why you need to heed the warnings. We have books to disciple you, and let me just say this. Do you know that Muslims convert Christians in this country to be uh, believers in Islam? Do, uh, brother, I'm sorry. That's distracting me, and I can see it distracting them. Okay, I just need you to stay at verse 1 for me, please. Everyone look up here, please. Do you know that in America, we lose Christians to Islam, Jehovah Witnesses, to all of these different religions? You know why? Because we're not prepared to give an answer for why we believe. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, Scientology, they prey upon the naive Christian. Paul said in verse 1, I am struggling for you at Laodicea. I am doing this for you, working hard. I hope you see church here giving you discipleship is to protect you. Let me give you an example of this. Young man used to go to this church. 
He stopped going to this church. He started going to another church doing his own thing. Some of his family members used to come to this church. They stopped going when he stopped going. Guess what he just told me last time I saw him? My cousin converted to Islam. Now, I want to ask you a question. How can anybody in this church convert to Islam when your pastor wrote a book on it and we explain to you the lies that Islam tells you and we defend our Christian faith and every single time we preach to you, we give you the reasons for why we believe what we believe. See, you are not going to be naive and talked into a false doctrine because you've been trained. Verse number two, my purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. And then he goes on to say, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The mystery before in chapter 1 was known as Christ in us. Now in chapter, uh, chapter 2, he clarifies that the, the mystery in its totality is just Jesus. Jesus is the mystery. Mysterion in the Greeks means something that can be revealed. It's like watching the movie Lost. You may not be able to figure it all out, but if you stay with it long enough, it will be revealed. People in the Old Testament maybe didn't understand everything about salvation, but as they tracked with it they began to understand more and more and the new testament saints could see the old testament revealed as the new testament are you listening and so what it's saying what paul is now saying at the birth of the church is that what we have not understood that god would come in the flesh and dwell among men uh, what the old testament did not understand now we can understand and in him in christ everybody say in christ is the fullness of wisdom and the fullness of now say this with me in christ is the fullness of wisdom and the fullness of knowledge. So if we come to Christ first and become scientists, well, we're the best scientists. Ever heard of Sir Isaac Newton? Best scientist probably of, that, of his time, and he was a Christian. Francis Collins, leader of the Genome Code uh, in, on our day, worked for the government describing the DNA of, of, of man, is a Christian. You can be a Christian and be a great scientist if you recognize God first and everything flows from him. Christians have never been people to put their head into the sand. We have always been inventive. We have always researched science. Now, there have been religions that have oppressed Christians but the true Christian heart has always been to discover all the knowledge of the world through Christ through the perspective of Christ see humanism has you start with yourself man as the God so I am God I am in charge let me understand the world and we call that a worldview a worldview is the glasses or the lens you see the world from and you see right now in our culture they want you to put on the worldview of humanism so everything you see is that God doesn't exist this is explained away by certain scientific principles life is about you you're just here for a few years so eat drink and be merry but when you go to the bible paul is saying and you put on the goggles of christ all wisdom all knowledge will be revealed to you in every area of your life every area and so the takeaway we have number two is be encouraged and united in faith and love for jesus christ be united in your faith and love for Jesus as we continue on now looking at verse 4 he says I tell you this that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments Paul now explains why is he struggling so much because people are trying to lie to them just think to yourself right now fine sounding arguments you've heard anybody ever hear of the Da Vinci Code hey anybody ever see that but have you heard of it some of you heard of it wasn't that a fine sounding argument it convinced probably some of your friends, though, didn't it? I guarantee you talk to some people around, you know, around the neighborhood. I don't know about all that Jesus stuff. Jesus was probably just a man. He probably got married. Maybe some Illuminati, some secret, you know, you know, conspiracy. You'll hear people believe that. 
You might say, well, no, none of my friends believe that. How about find sound argument? Have you ever heard evolution be brought up against God? Do you know that you can be a Christian and believe in evolution as long as you know who banged it? Yeah, I believe in the big bang. I just know who banged it. Are you all listening to me? Are you listening? Jesus spoke, bang, it happened. There's your big bang. And, and not only that, but you know in cosmology that actually the start of the universe proves that it couldn't have always been existent. Therefore, something outside of time, space, and matter had to start it. And this is not stuff that we're just making up right now, like, oh, that preacher's just making up. This has been the backbone of modern science up until this generation, which wants to explain everything by nothing being the answer. At the end of the day, they say nothing exploded and created something. We say something created something. That's what it all comes down to. Well, I believe in the Big Bang. Okay, well, who banged it? Well, I don't know. It just banged by itself. Where did the bang come from? Where did the, the materials come from? Are you all listening to me? But it's a fine-sounding argument, isn't it? Paul said, I'm telling you all this. I'm working hard for you so that you don't get convinced by fine-sounding arguments. Now, can we as church people be ignorant sometimes? Yes, we can. Sometimes we can believe wives' tales and call it the Bible. Sometimes we can have misunderstandings about scientific fact. And so Christians should be open to scientific fact. That's why when you look at a Francis Collins, you know, who worked on the gene code, it's not that, you know, he showed up to his first day on the job and they said, we want you to work for the American Science Academy to discover the American gene code and work with all these scientists. And he shows up and goes, hey, I already understand the answer. God made man. Just write that down. Here you go. God made man. He didn't do that. He was a Christian that used his brain because the Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? When Christian businessmen show up at a place, they don't just say, hey, let me just give away everything. When Hobby Lobby started, when Chick-fil-A started, when these different businesses started, they don't start and just say, hey, take whatever you want. Christians can have wisdom and knowledge through Jesus Christ, and we shouldn't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments that Jesus doesn't exist, the Bible has been corrupted, or that God did not create us. Can I hear an Amen. Verse 5, for though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. We see here in verse 5 that Paul speaks to his disciples being away from him, but he is with them in spirit. There's one of two options of what he means because I don't think he means an out-of-body experience here. One of two things what he means is that because he has... Because the Colossi church has his words, his spirit is there in the sense that Jesus said in John 6, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So by him saying, though I'm not with you in body, but I'm with you in spirit, he could be saying, I'm not there, but my words are there, and I know you guys are doing the right thing. Or the second option could be that since the Holy Spirit was with him and the Holy Spirit was with them, that they were united even though their bodies were separate. Either way, the takeaway is this. Number four, God can use leadership to discern your life whether you're in order and in faith. See, look at what he says. He says, even though I'm not with you, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you something. When you're not in this church, are you orderly in your home? Are you orderly young people with your parents? Are you following the teachings that you're learning here? How about this? Are you people of faith? When you go about your daily life, are you living out the words that you're living here? Paul was saying, though I'm absent, the words I speak to you, the Holy Spirit is with you, and I believe you're doing the right things. If you're doing the right things, can I hear an amen? So to summarize that first section, Paul is saying, I'm struggling 
so that you don't get taken by fine-sounding arguments, but rather you're united in faith and love. And even though I'm not with you, I believe you're doing the right things. Now let's go to the second section, verses 6 to 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in the faith, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving, thankfulness. See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every Every power and authority in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the old sin for nature not with the circumcision done by hands but done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature God made you alive with Christ he forgave us of all of our sins having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us he took it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the by the cross everybody say jesus got the victory amen what we learn in this section is just as a christian a believer has received christ the anointed one they are now to continue in him you must receive him to continue in him. Do not be deceived into thinking you are saved because you go to church. I could go into a garage that doesn't make me a car. I could go into McDonald's that doesn't make me a hamburger. Are you all listening to me? I could go into the bank. It doesn't make me a millionaire. You coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. You must receive him into your heart. Confess him as Lord. Receive Jesus, the anointed one, as Lord. And what is the evidence that you've received him as Lord? You continue to live in him. And now look at the past tense description. When a person, it doesn't matter how tore up from the floor up they are, how bad their life is, when they come to Christ, they become a new creation. Look at verse 7. Continue in him, rooted, built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, overflowing with thanksgiving. So what do you learn here? What you see is that the moment you were saved, you were rooted in Christ. Have confidence in your salvation. Is Jesus able to finish what he started in you? Why is it we believe the temptations of this world are stronger than the Jesus that lives inside of us? Greater is he that lives inside of you than he that's in the world. The takeaway from this is continue in your faith in Christ. And I want you to think about your salvation as a car or going on a road trip. So let me give it to you like this. Some people think, uh, you can go to verse 7 there, some people think, that when they get saved, salvation is now being built presently in their life. So now God's going to put in the engine. God's going to put on the doors. He's going to put on the tires. And right when you get ready to go uh, uh, driving in that car, right when it's fixed and ready, boop, 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 he's going to take you home and he's going to go, there you go. I, I built salvation in you through your whole life. You never really had it all. Once it was finished, I take you home. You see, that's not how the Bible looks at salvation. Matter of fact, none of us would want to do something like that. What do we build a car, never drive it? Salvation is the exact opposite. Salvation is complete the moment you accept Christ. Boom, the car is there. The engine, the new attitude, the ability to overcome your problems, it is there. Now, the working out of your salvation, the journey of salvation is to get in the car, let Jesus be the driver, and have him take you on a road trip. 
I want you to let that example sink into you right now. Your salvation is complete. It is rooted. It is built up. Now continue in it. What does it mean to backslide and to walk away from Christ? When you get out the car. When you say, God, I'm tired of having my family be your way. Put on the brakes. Let me get out here. That's backsliding. Do you understand? When you're getting out of salvation, when you're not continuing in the faith that you had the day you got saved, the day you got saved for you really to be saved, you had to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, believe it in your heart. The day you did that, that means he became Lord. Salvation was yours, and he's in control. He's Lord. But the moment you walk out of salvation, the moment you backslide, when you say, God, I'm tired of following you as Lord. That's the danger. That's why he says continue in your faith. Some people have taught that Christians cannot backslide. If we can't backslide, then why would the warning come to us to continue? And then why would it tell us the reason why these guys were in trouble for not continuing was these lies they were being told? What's the takeaway? Continue in your faith. And then let thanksgiving overflow from your heart because you are able to live for Jesus based on the foundation he gave you. Well, I don't know if I can live it out, Jesus. Jesus, you're taking me on the the road of a good attitude today. And I don't want to be on the highway of a good attitude. I want to be on the highway of stinking thinking. I want to get out of this car and ride in the jalopy car of the devil. Stop. Stop before you do that. Say, Jesus, I thank you. You gave me salvation. And, of course, you want me to complete this journey with you. See, thank God salvation has been accomplished. Stop thinking about yourself building your salvation, saving your salvation. You're not saving yourself. You're not building yourself. You have been saved. Does anybody believe they've been saved? Does anybody believe today Jesus is driving their life? Amen. Now, is there a place where we can be as Christians and not backsliders and be disobedient? Yes. The Bible says in this journey of salvation, we can give God a hard time. We can argue with him. We can be disobedient. Sometimes he'll have to be patient with us like he was with the Israelites, drive us in circles for a while and just be like, okay, we're just going to circle around this, this street a little bit until you get your attitude right. Hello? And sometimes he takes us places we don't know and expect to go like us in this building. A lot of times we look at our life like it's supposed to be a ladder of success. Well, I'm going to get married at this age, have children at this age, and there'll never be another problem in my life because I go to church. And, you know, we look at it like from A to B, you know, but a lot of times God takes our journey. This road trip is like a connect the dots. God says A's over here, B's over here, C's back over here. And he's taking you all on this journey. And when you take a step back, oh, it's a swan. Look at that little swan. You ever done connect the dots? You look back, you go, that's this cute little swan. Because we're continuing in our salvation and God is driving. It's perfected. Just get it settled in your mind. You are saved. You are perfectly saved. You are built in Christ, perfectly built in Christ. Now is there a growing? Is there maturing? Yes, there is. But it's from the salvation. Can I hear an amen? Verse 8 and on where he says, don't let anybody take you. Here it comes to the pagan philosophy. Here's the first deception the church faces. Pagan philosophy. Don't let anybody deceive you through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world. Human tradition probably refers to myths. The Greek pagans would make up myths and pass them down from generation to generation to generation. And Paul is saying, don't let these pagans bring you back into those myths. Yeah, you can go and watch Transformers, but don't you believe somewhere out there there's Megatron and all those guys, okay? Don't you get deceived by that. And then when it says, and don't be deceived by deceptive philosophy that comes from basic principles of this world, listen to me. 
You can look at the, 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 you know, the, the things of science and not have a philosophical view there is no God. Let me give you an ex- uh, let me clarify this. Francis Collins, the, the, we're using him, he's a geneticist. He can look at genes and, and do good science and not have to be an atheist. See, somehow the world convinced us that I believe, you know, do you believe in God? No, I believe in science. You know, like somehow God and science are like opposed to each other. So if you believe in God, that basically means you believe in tooth fairies. And, and, and people who believe in science are really smart, you know what I'm saying? No, we believe in both. So what he's saying, don't believe a philosophy that comes out of science. Don't believe in a philosophy that comes out of myths. That's the takeaway. Don't fall for science and make-believe that tries to turn you away from God. Scientists like Francis Cowan and great mythological authors like C.S. Lewis believed the Bible was far superior to both science and myth. Without the grounding of truth, we can't make scientific claims. The Bible, I believe, is the greatest foundation for truth, and we would have to have a lot more discussion on where truth comes from. That's going to be coming next month. Now look at verses 9 and 10. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwell in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ. Why is he reaffirming this doctrine? It's because people were trying to say Christ was just a man. Christ was not God. Are you ever challenged that way? Does anybody ever tell you Christ was just a man, he wasn't God? Part of your Christian faith is to believe that Christ was fully God, and he is fully God. And then look at the very next statement. As much as deity possessed Christ or was in Christ, fullness, the word is used there, is as much of Christ that's in you because you have the fullness of Christ in you. And the beauty of this is this does not make you God, not in nature, but God is on your side. The presence of God fills you like the deity filled him. Y'all aren't even hearing me. Jesus is on the inside of you. How much of Jesus do you have in your salvation tank right now? See, some of you think, I only got a quarter tank of Jesus. Some of you think, I only got three quarters tank. I just need to be tipped off every day. Do you know that there are people that teach us in churches, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, nobody can really do that. Some people think that your whole entire life, you're just trying to work it up, work it up. Well, how much do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength today? Well, I love God with about 80%. How about tomorrow? Well, you know, my heart, I love him with about 30%. Today was a bad day. Listen, if you don't love God with all your heart, you're not even saved, Bubba. And and then when you talk about people in Christ feeling, well, how much of Christ you think's in you? Well, I think Billy Graham probably had about 75% of Christ in him. You know, but my my person I'm sitting next to right now, just kind of look at him like that. Person I'm sitting next to, man, they don't even push in about a quarter tank of Jesus. They don't even got a quarter tank of Jesus. Come on, husbands and wives, be careful right now. We got a quarter tank. No, the Bible says the fullness of deity dwelled in Christ, and you've been given the fullness of Christ. How much of Christ is in you? The fullness is in you. You're not partly saved. You're all the way saved. You're not partly given Christ. You're fully given Christ. Does that make you excited? Let's live the life of Christ. Verses 11 and onward, him you were circumcised, putting off the sinful nature. See, in the Old Testament, boys had to be circumcised at eight days old to get the foreskin off of their genitalia. They had to show a sign of being cut away for a covenant. He is now saying, you've been having something cut away, male and female, and it's not of the earthly nature, it's of your spiritual nature. That sinful nature has been taken away. 
It's cut off. And we've talked about this before. Well, Pastor, I still get tempted. Adam and Eve did not have a sinful nature, yet they got tempted. What does that mean? Temptation can come from the outside. Temptation can come from past memories. But that is not who you are. You're not a sinful nature and a godly nature, both wrestling on the inside of you. You are new in Christ with the fullness of Christ. And you have been circumcised from your old flesh, just like that young boy had his flesh circumcised on that eighth day. That little boy was not going back home. He couldn't talk, but, you know, he wasn't going back home saying, I still got some of this left here, that foreskin. No, it was all cut off. You don't have any more of that sinful nature. You have the nature of Christ. Now, if you want to play make-believe and Jack, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, well, that's the evil side of me. That's the good side of me. I'm going to beat myself up. You can do that, but you will live a miserable life. I encourage you to believe what the Bible is saying here. When you came to Christ, you died in your sins. And the uncircumcision of your sinful nature was taken away. Verse 11, you were made alive with Christ. He forgave your sins, canceled the written code, speaking of the Jewish law. And verse 15, he defeated the devil. What is the takeaway? Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus is God and worship him. And believe that all of Jesus is in you so you can do all things through him. Philippians 4.13. And, and, and the next takeaway is stop believing your doctrine. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, one part evil, one part holy. You're 100% new in Christ. Your own nature has been cut away. Can you say amen? Last section in closing, which, of course, is the biggest section. Moving on from 16 to 23. Therefore, he said all of those things. Therefore, let no one judge you but what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. They, th these are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility, the worship of angels, disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great detail of what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why are you still acting like you belong to it and submit to its rules do not handle do not taste do not touch these are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body but they lack any value in his restraining se sensual indulgence can i hear an amen I won't read all the verses again, but in verse is 16 through 17, Paul now addresses Jewish legalism. He begins to say, you are now being told you have to go to church on the Sabbath by the Jewish believers. You're being told you have to follow a new moon a celebration, which was one of their celebrations. You have to not drink this and not eat this. There were Nazarites in the Jewish faith. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. He didn't cut his hair. He didn't touch dead things, and he didn't eat fruit of the, uh, drink fruit of the vine. So was Samson. Samson was a Nazarite. The reason why he got into trouble is because he broke his Nazarite vows. These Jewish people are now saying, Jesus was a Nazarite. You have to be a Nazarite right like Jesus, Jesus, which is like a super duper Jew, and believe in Christ. And what Paul says here is that those things, not eating, not drinking, celebrating Sabbaths, were just shadows of Christ. Let me just give you an example right here. I'll just use my phone. Okay, what would you rather have? Let me see if I can do this up here. Okay, what would you rather have, the iPhone or the shadow of my iPhone? What would you rather have, the iPhone or the shadow? Would you rather have the Mosaic law, which is a shadow of Christ, or Christ himself?
You see, the Mosaic law in the Old Testament was just a shadow of who God was. Now they are trying to tell them, keep doing the shadow, keep reaching after the shadow. And Paul is saying, baby, I don't need to keep reaching after the shadow. I got the fullness of Christ living in me. It's the hope of glory. It's not just for Jews. It's for Gentiles, baby. No matter what day of the week I worship on or what I eat for breakfast. Come on, give me some bacon, baby. Give me some bacon. We don't got to have a kosher diet here. It's the fullness of Christ. So we are told in uh, Takeaway 10, be free from Jewish legalism. And he says it very clearly that these things do not come from God. Rather, they come from men. These are men's rules. But now he gets into the next one, 18 to 23. We now have the one that's even a little bit more deceptive. Somebody say Christian legalism. The three things Paul warns against in this book is against pagan philosophy. Don't let people use myths or science to take you away from God. That's the first thing he says. Second thing he says is don't let religious Jews tell you you have to do these things and believe in Christ. You're free from those things. You got the real deal, not the shadow. And now the third thing is that he says is that there are Christians that are taking on regulation, self-imposed humility, false humility, harsh treatment of the body, which really... Do nothing to restrain your sensual indulgence. What does this mean? Do you know that the monasteries and the Catholic Church began to develop, you know, these mentalities that if you wanted to really live for Jesus, you had to fast every meal of the day and maybe eat once a week and you had to pray at this time and this time and this time like what we would see Muslims do. By the way, do you know that Muslims' acts of worship, most of them come from Christians? During that time of the 6th century, Muslims identified with the Christians, the Coptics, who would pray multiple times a day towards Jerusalem, not towards Mecca, who fast multiple times they started imitating the Christian legalism around them and at that time it started to sneak in and what Paul is saying don't let Christians start to impose their false humility on you if you want to fast you do it because Christ told you to do it not because I forced it on you if you want to abstain for like I did, I abstained from watching TV for 12 years and movies, no secular TVs or movies. That is something I chose to do. I can't force that on you as a type of humility. Say, if you're really humble, Rudy, you'll stop watching TV. You'll stop, you know, watching movies. You'll stop smoking and drinking and chewing and hanging with those who are doing. And what they began to do is take these good things and mix it with self-imposed things. Yeah, it's good to stop chewing tobacco. It's good to stop smoking and and, and over excess of alcohol, but they started to put on these rules that weren't in the Bible. And so what is the takeaway? Don't try to be more Christian than Christ. <laughs> I just want to say that again. Don't try to be more Christian than Christ who came eating and drinking. Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. You said he's a drunkard and a tax, uh, a, a glutton and a, tax, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I don't celebrate Christmas. Do I force that on you? No. I don't uh, watch, you know, rated R comedies. Do we force that on you? No. But this is what we ask in our discipleship. We ask you to take on some forms of discipline because every church and every culture, including the New Testament, had to come up with forms of discipline. The first one in the New Testament uh, is the book of Acts as they began to make rules for the churches that are there. You know, don't eat the blood that's strangled. You can see it there at the Jerusalem Council. 
And then as you go after the, the early church, the book of Acts, and to the, the disciples of the disciples, they made what was called the didache, which was the writings of the apostles and the applications. If you're going to baptize someone, let them fast for three days before their baptism. If a traveling minister comes, don't let him stay more than a week. So they started to make these disciplines. The point is this. You can be a part of churches and organizations that have their way of doing things, but any church, any organization that imposes those ways on you and make them determinative for your salvation are lying and they're preaching a false gospel. So there's a big prayer movement and fasting movement. If people begin to say, if you don't pray five hours a day and fast every week, you're not right with God, that's wrong. It is self-imposed, and it appears to crucify the flesh. It appears to make you a better Christian, but it does really nothing to restrain sensual indulgence. And let me give you the example of this. Some of the people that I know have fasted and prayed the most are some of the most uh, angriest, meanest people I've met in life because they are so stinking religious. They think if no one is doing what they're doing, they're they're the only ones. And when you follow their lives out, they have all of these bad fruits in their life. Because just doing that to you doesn't make you more of a Christian. Some of the priests, they would actually burn their bodies when they, would, when they were in these monasteries and these nuns. These people still live like this today. There's nunneries here in Chicago. Uh, some of these priests, what they would do is when they would feel sexual temptation to impose on themselves some type of way of being free from it, they would place their hand over the fire. So, you know, they, they would you know, have a lustful thought, and they would put their hand over a candle. And in one of my theology books, you saw a dude missing all of his fingers. <laughs> poor, poor guy. He tried to burn his finger, and it didn't stop his sensual indulgence. So he said, I'm going to burn my other finger. And do you know this? Listen to the word, indulgences. The Roman Catholic Church typifies this, made an entire religion out of indulgences, out of saints, out of lighting candles, out of crawling up, to, you know, to these statues that they have in Brazil and these different places. Uh, they would actually whip themselves out of punishment. And today, some Christians, thinking they're doing the right things, are adopting this to think, well, if I pray more, if I fast more, if I give more, if I witness more, then I'll have more of Christ. No, you have as much of Christ as you will ever get because you have the fullness of Christ. Don't let anybody deceive you. Now live like Christ. Now, if you want to go on a 40-day spiritual fast and a spiritual treasure chest journey and discover what the wheel within the wheel in Ezekiel is, go for it. If you want to pray 24-7, if you want to do everything, that is fine. Just don't judge me when I'm eating a hamburger going to the beach playing volleyball because that's not your job. Can you all stand up and give them a hand clap of praise? Come on. Band, would you come, please? Is it wrong to assume we can grow in our faith in Christ? Absolutely not. You will grow in your faith in Christ, but you are saved in Christ. Is it wrong to assume that more of Christ can have more of you? No, because you are learning to let the fullness of Christ flow through you. Let me give you an example. When I uh, go to turn on the water at, at, at where I live, the faucet is connected to the Chicago water supply, which we know comes from Lake Michigan. When I turn on that faucet, if the water starts drip, drip, drip coming out, there's a clog in the pipes, isn't there? I don't automatically assume Lake Michigan disappeared. There's no more Lake Michigan. Calling up my friend, you know, is, is Lake Michigan still there? Do you see it? Because I don't see, I don't have any water. No, we would assume it's not Lake Michigan's problem, right? Somewhere in the pipes. When we start to go through problems in life, 
we start to say, oh, you know, I need more Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Where are you, Jesus? You know, you've left me. Where are you? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm right here. Your pipes are clogged. Your thinking is stinking. You're not trusting that I'm there. God wants us in the fullness of him. Number one, takeaway. Here's summary. Number one summary. Love Jesus. Be rooted in him today. Be grounded in him today. Continue in your faith in him today. You're already saved. I've had people tell me, we were talking earlier today, I've had people tell me, you know, you know, some of your witnessing and discipleship, you make me feel if I don't do this, I'm not saved. And I say, that is a lie. We have never told you that, and we will never tell you that. You were saved the day you asked Christ into your heart. And if you never went witnessing one time, you still would be saved. And if you never spoke in tongues, and if you never, you know, went to our discipleship class, you are saved. We are not imposing this on your salvation. But what we're telling you is that Jesus said, because you're saved, there's commands to follow. He said, therefore, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Could Peter have sat on his holy backside and just said, okay, y'all do that? He probably could have. Would he have gone to heaven? He probably would have. The thief on the cross went to heaven and never witnessed anybody, right? But when, if Peter would have did that, would Peter have had any rewards in heaven? Would he have heard, well done? Like, great job, Peter. I told you to go tell the world about me, and you just stayed fishing. No, if you look at the story, he goes back to Peter, and he says, because I love you, because of this, do, do you love me, Peter? Do you, it's like, because of the love, will you obey me and do what I ask? Why do we obey all these commands? Because we are saved. I am in the car of salvation. That's why I drive on the road of evangelism. That's why I drive on the road of an order family. I do all these things because I am saved, not to be saved. Amen? Number two, believe that your sinful nature has been cut away. You are new in Christ. This is not a mind game, okay? We're not picking out the boogie-nosed person with the nappy hair today going, you're Miss America. Yes, you are. Everybody say she's Miss America. We're not here messing with folk today like you're just Miss America. This is where our brain doesn't understand our spirit. This is, this is what you got to get here. Your body dies, friends. How many know one day you're going to die? Right? Okay. Where do you go after that? heaven right so then who are you your body or the one going to heaven is the one going to heaven saved now or is it going to get saved later saved now believe it now right believe it now how did I quit smoking because I believed in Christ that I was saved and that he gave me the power to overcome it how did I have a blessed marriage because I believed in Christ how do I go through troubles because I believe what he did when you read that passage everything is in the past tense you were rooted you were grounded you were established you you your old nature was put to death you were circumcised you were forgiven all of that is all past tense because the moment you put your faith in Christ that became your past and this became your future Amen. And then number three, what Paul was saying in this chapter, what he was struggling for, and what you hopefully have seen me struggle for to, to try to do today, is that you don't get fooled by pagan philosophy. Don't let anybody tell you any different. I don't know if Christ is God, and I don't think he's really in you. I think you're just playing make-believe. 
You know, there's all these religions out here. How do you really know he's any different than all the other false prophets, David Koresh? We didn't have scientists back then. They were pretty ignorant, so we don't know if he really walked on water. See, don't be fooled by pagan philosophy. That sounds kind of convincing. 80% of Christians who go to secular universities, college, Josh McDowell said, 8 out of 10 lose their faith in Christ. That means we got Elliot Schwartz and some of the others that have gone to secular universities, state, were saved and came back saved. They are a minority. 20% only can go through that system because it's so fine-sounding arguments. They're being told over and over and over again by people that are probably better looking than me. And you're only here for, what, an hour, hour and a half, two hours on Sunday? They're sitting in hours of class every day, and the professor just book after book after book before you finally are just convinced. It's fine sounding. Don't get deceived by science and mythology today. Number two, don't get deceived by Jewish philosophy. You are saved because Christ said you are saved. And lastly, if any Christian tries to impose something on you, don't believe it. Amen? Let's close out in prayer. Father, I thank you today for this service. Wow, God, you have given us so much to consider today. Would you just take a few moments and just meditate on what you just heard from the book of Colossians chapter 2. Altar workers, would you come? We're going to close out with a song of worship. When I close out in prayer, if you need to go, I appreciate your time today and for your support. But if you need prayer in any of these areas, as the altar workers come and I get ready to pray, just come up today and receive prayer. Some of the biggest struggles I see Christians go through is condemnation and guilt. Even good churches like us can you know, uh, accidentally cause it in people's lives. They'll say, Pastor, you know, I was just trying to do this to make you happy. You know, I was just, I was just trying to do this, you know, to do the right thing. And, you know, and I don't know if I want to do it anymore. If you're getting discouraged, let us pray for you today. The reason why anybody should serve Christ from coming to church to doing devotions with your family to just loving God throughout the week, you should do it because you want to do it because you love him. So if you need to realign your heart today just to get a heart of grace and mercy, falling in love with Christ, we want to pray for you. Also today, if you're struggling with sin and there's like that battle and you're like, man, I, I just, I don't feel like I'm a new person. I always get these same temptations. Will you let us pray? Because the Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. We're not saying you'll never be tempted, but we're saying you can be not led into temptation that you can learn to fight temptation. And then lastly, if anybody here is dealing with any kind of deception, just anything that's just, I don't know, questions or doubts about your faith and foundation in Jesus, would you let us pray for you today? And if you want to bring your family or husband or wife or friend, and, and, you know, we're just going to pray for you to go back home and study the Word and get grounded in the Word and to, to you know, search it out, to know because the Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Father, bless us today as we go our separate ways. Thank you for this congregation. We pray that all who return next week will come with hearts ready to serve and to go forward. God, we thank you that we're new in you and free from all the lies of the enemy. Help us to continue in our faith to finish this race in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen today? Amen. Can we bless him one more time? Hallelujah. Would you slap somebody high five and say you're free. You're free. God bless you. We're going to close out with worship.
If you need prayer for any of those reasons or anything else, please come forward. We'll see you at Life Groups. God bless you.